you're ready to, to jump in, and whether you've been here throughout the series or whether uh, you just are now jumping in for the sake of continuity, let us all start in the very same place. One of the phrases that we've repeated over and over and over again uh, in this series is this right here. What we believe doesn't have to be true to have the power of truth over us. We just have to believe that it's true. And so we talked about how, you know, mom and dad, an insignificant lie that they would use to motivate us to eat carrots. They would say to us, you know, you need to make sure that you eat carrots because it's going to help your eyesight. And we discovered in the very first week together that that is a lie. Remember? It's a lie. It's not the truth. Another statement, though, that we repeated again and again in, in this series is, is this right here. You can go ahead and flip it. It says this, when we believe a lie, we live by a lie. And when we live by a lie, we give it the power of truth. And so this series is called Flip the Script. And one of the things that the enemy does on a daily basis is he tries to hand you and me a script that is filled with lies. Lies about you, lies about God, lies about what God thinks about you, lies about how you should feel about God. And every single week we've been looking at some of these popular lies and, man, just uncovering the lie. And then we've sought to be set free by the truth that is found in God's word. And by the way, what we believe impacts who we are. It impacts everything about us. In fact, go ahead and put this up on the screen. Here it shapes your attitudes. Say attitudes. You know, whatever you believe, whether it's, it's the truth or not, it will shape your attitude. It will govern your emotions. It will determine your behavior. Say behavior. It will have an impact on your behavior. It will regulate your relationships, and it will also decide your future. And so let's just take one lie that we looked at in this series. One of the lies we looked at on the very first week was where the enemy comes at you sideways, and he says to you, you don't have what it takes. You're not smart enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not competent enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have what it takes. And if you have bought into that lie, then you know what it would do? It will have an impact on your attitude. Say attitude. You, you will probably find yourself being defensive around other people. You ever been defensive before around other people? Mm-hmm. Not, only, not only that, you will find yourself critical of others because you're trying to mask your insecurity that you don't have what it takes. It will also govern your emotions. You can feel discouraged and beat down and dejected and depressed way before the day even begins if you bought into the lie that you don't have what it takes. Not only that, it will also determine your behavior. Instead of being passionate, you find yourself in a place where you are passive. It will regulate your relationships. It doesn't just impact you. It also has an impact on your relationships as well with other people. It makes you feel like you don't have much to offer. And so it impacts relations with people. It impacts relations with God. But it also ultimately will decide your future. Or you could even say it this way if you bought into lie that you don't have what it takes. It will rob you of your future. Um, you, you, will, you will find it where your future will be marked with guilt and shame and also miss opportunities to impact and influence and change the world. All because you bought into the lie that, you know what, you don't have what it takes. Now what happens, stick with me real quick, when you flip the script, say flip the script. What happens when you flip the script on his head and you begin to embrace truth that is found in the word of God and you start to say, you know what, I may not have what it takes, but I know who does. 
And Philippians chapter 4 reminds me that I can do what? Some things? No, it says all things. I can do all things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. Who gives me strength. And so because of that, it will begin to shape your attitude. You will find yourself being more optimistic and more positive. It will, it will govern your emotions. It will, instead of being stressed out and anxious, you realize, you know what? I don't have to carry all of this. I can roll all of my weight over on God. It will determine your behavior. You start to live with greater purpose and passion. And ultimately, it will decide your future. You start to say, you know what? God can do all things through me. And if that is the case, I believe he's going to do something through me today. And you have to decide what script are you going to read from. And not just you, but me, Jay Sanders, I have to decide what script am I going to read from. Am I going to read from the script from the enemy? Or am I going to read from the script that's called the word of God and believe what I read? Well, today... Very briefly, if you have bread at home, I promise you it's not going to burn, okay? But very briefly, we're going to look at another lie of the enemy. He tries to whisper to us, and sometimes he even shouts at us. And it goes something like this. Have you ever heard this? He says this, you should just give up. You ever heard that before? You should just give up. You should just quit. You don't have enough time left. You should just, you should just quit. It's too late. Why are you even trying? And I, in fact, I think behind the, the motivation behind most of the lies that the enemy, he tries to feed us, like you can fix this yourself. You don't need God. And so because of that, you should just give up. You don't have what it takes, so you should what? Just give up. You should quit. Today, we're going to look at an Old Testament character. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Job. You ever heard of Job before? We're going to take a look at him, and it's, if you are familiar with the story of Job, it's possible that you look at the story of Job through the lens of suffering, and there is a lot of suffering that goes on through the story. But today, we're going to do an overview of the story of Job and look at it through the lens of spiritual warfare. And Job has to make a decision. He has to decide, am I going to read from the script of truth and believe that, or am I going to read from the enemy script? It's Job's story starts off pretty good. He was in a good place. Say good place. He was in a good place. You ever been in a good place before? Life was good. You know what I'm saying? You're sipping on your lemonade, hanging out at the beach. Got your toes just deep in the sand. You know, I don't know why that is. Maybe you don't want anybody to see your toes. I don't know what it is, but that's between you and you. Okay. But here's the deal. In a good place, Job was in a good place. You say, Jay, how do you know that? How do you know that he was in a good place? Well, it says it in scripture, it says in Job chapter one, it starts, verse one, it says, there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Oz and he was blameless. Say blameless. Man, well, first of all, isn't that, that's a great testimony to be able to have about your life. He was blameless. If you were to take Job to court, they wouldn't find anything wrong with him. He was blameless. And then it goes on and it says, he was a man of complete integrity. Say integrity. It's a lost art today. Lost discipline. Job was a man of complete integrity. He didn't go to bed at night wondering what people were going to find out about him. The person that he was in the public was the same person he was in private. It goes on, and the verse says, he feared God and he stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was busy. He got a... Big family. <laughs> and then it says he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 
500 teams, teams, a squad, okay, of oxen and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. He was in a good place, a good place. He was good. <laughs> he was prosperous. He was healthy. He, he, he seemed to be happy. And then in verse 6, things begin to change a little bit. There's this, this conversation that goes on between God and Satan. It's pretty weird. Check this out. It says this. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, say accuser, with a capital A. By the way, that's another name for the enemy. He's an accuser. The accuser, Satan, he came with them. He's just hanging out. And it goes on. The verse, it says this. It says, God says, where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. And here's Satan's reply. Satan answered the Lord. He says, I've been patrolling the earth and watching everything that's going on. Maybe that's why 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, for the enemy is as a what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's no respecter of any person. There he is. He's hanging out. God says, uh, okay, cool. So you've just been hanging out, just kind of checking... We know what's going on on the earth. And he said, yeah. And then God looks at him and said, I got a question for you. Have you ever considered uh, my man Job? You know him? Yeah, he's good. And he says, oh, I know exactly who he is. Yeah, that, that dude that's blameless. Mm -hmm. That dude that has complete integrity. Yep. Here's what I know about him. I know that you have a hedge of protection around him. And here's what I know, that if you remove that hedge of protection around Job, you know what he's going to do? He's going to curse you to your face. And God says, oh, really? That's how you feel? Okay. Let's give it a try. Deal. In the following chapters, what you get is a picture of the enemy's strategy, of what he does when he wants you to quit when he wants you to give up and when he wants you to walk away from God. And the first strategy that he uses, and maybe you're familiar with this, is difficult circumstances. Have you ever experienced some difficult circumstances? Some of you are like, have I? <laughs> I'm experiencing it right now. Job begins to experience some difficult circumstances. In fact, it's unthinkable the loss that he experiences in just a brief time. Check this out. In, in verse 15, a messenger comes to tell Job that all of his oxen are stolen and all the farmhands are killed. That's pretty bad news. And so Job, he's sitting there and he's trying to process it all. And then another messenger comes and he says, you don't have time to process that, brother, because I got some more news for you. And here's what he says in verse 16. He comes and tells Job that the fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherd. That's a pretty bad day. And, and then while he's there, he's trying to process all of that. In verse 17, another messenger comes and says, your camels, Job, have been stolen and all your servants, they're killed. They're gone. They're no longer here anymore. Can you imagine that? That's a bad day. Now, some of us say, say you know what, I had a bad day, but I don't know if you've lost all of this before. And just when you think it can't get worse, it does. In verses 18 and 19, another messenger comes and says, your sons and daughters, they were eating in their older brother's house. They were having a great time. They were fellowshipping. They were laughing, passing bread. That's my version. They were having a good time. And while they were having a great time, a powerful wind, it swept in from the wilderness. It hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed. And your children are dead. 
let that sit for a minute. That's a pretty bad day. He lost everything. Isn't it amazing that when Job opens up, he was in a good place? Things were going well. And then in just a verse, he finds himself in a nightmare. But isn't it true that life can be like that sometimes? That, that life has a way of changing in just one verse, doesn't it? And that's what Job, he experiences. And, and Job is getting hit with one thing after another. My mom would say, say it this way, if it ain't one thing, it's what? It's another. And Job was in a place where he couldn't win from what? From losing. One thing after another, he found himself in, in a hard place facing a difficult circumstances. And in the moments of difficulty, we will either push God away or we will lean hard into him. The enemy is betting that you will run away from God. Some of you, even right now, you are in a, you're in a hard place. You're in a difficult place. Your husband walked in and said to you, I'm done. And you find yourself in a hard place. The doctor tells you you only have three months to live. You find yourself in a, in a hard place. You went into work. Things were going well. And the boss said, we don't have a job for you anymore. Difficult circumstances. And the question is, are you going to walk away from him, from God? Or are you going to lean into God? And so with all of these things coming at Job, surely, surely Job quits. Surely he runs away from God, right? Here's what it says in Job 1.20. So Job, he stood up and he, he tore his robe in grief. Say grief. You ever experienced some grief before? You ever been in a place where you were, where you were so low, low, where you were experiencing the, just the, the dark night of the soul that you, you cried yourself to sleep? You ever been there before? You ever, you ever been in a, in, a, in a place before where you cried so much you didn't have any more tears left? This is where Job was at. I mean, he was experiencing grief. And then it says, he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he, he quit. He gave up. Is that what it says? No. In fact, here's what it says. Go to the next one. It says, then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to do what? To worship. To worship. In spite of losing everything, Job chooses to fall to the ground and to worship. You know what worship is? Worship is when we are preoccupied with God. That's why when you come in into this space and the band that get up here on, on the stage, you know, some of us, we walk in, we're heavy laden, we have so much that's going on, and, and they begin, the band strikes that, that first note, and they begin to sing and, and point us to God. You know what happens? We begin to be preoccupied with God and not our situation. And so Job, he chooses, man, to worship in spite of incredible loss. You ever been in a place where you know what else to do but to open up your Bible when you're in a low place? And you just said, God, speak to me, and he did. You ever been in a place where you were, you're coming home and maybe from work or from a family member's house, and you got, some, you got some pretty bad news, and you didn't know what else to do but turn on the music that was saturated with truth about who God was? Job, he chooses to worship. He chooses to quote scripture. And he also chooses, he chooses to, to 
to sing, to worship to God. And he says this in Job 121. He says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. You know what he's saying? I came to this earth with nothing, and I will return with nothing. And then he continues, he continues on, and he said, the Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away, and I will choose to praise the name of the Lord. That's pretty powerful. In spite of all of my loss, the Lord gives, the Lord takes it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will choose with my heart to say, I'm going to praise the name of the Lord. Your story doesn't have to be defined by what happens to you. It can be defined by how you respond, by the way, to what happens to you. And Job, in a moment... This moment, he leans hard into God. In Job chapter 2, God allows Job to be attacked with physical suffering, as if he hasn't faced enough. <laughs> He's covered with sores from the top of his head down to the sole of his feet. And here's what we discover so far in the enemy strategy. He attacks Job first with difficult circumstances. And then he comes in at another angle with discouraging people. You ever been around some discouraging people before? <laughs> I have. 